acting teacher, filmmaker, and casting associate, Beth Ryan, tirelessly works to educate and inspire the next generation of storytellers while fostering a community that puts honesty and inclusivity first. On today's Sky Talk, we're learning the importance and power behind feeling seen. Beth Ryan is a casting associate, acting teacher, audition coach, and director. Casting credits for television include Dead to Me, The Red Line, Treadstone, Project Blue Book, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan, Altered Carbon, American Gothic, I'm Dying Up Here, and Masters of Sex. For the stage, she cast the West Coast premiere of Ike Holter's play, Hit the Wall, and an ensemble production of Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe Revisited, produced by Jane Wagner and Lily Tomlin. She is currently directing a documentary film, Feeling Seen, about the impact of representations of queer women on mainstream TV. Hello and welcome to Sky Talks here in the Sky Lounge at the Line Lofts in Hollywood, California, part of Wilshire Skyline Property Management. I'm your host, Wendy Rosoff, and I am so thrilled to be presenting this series of Elevated Conversations. Our goal is to present a wide variety of fascinating speakers that can provide exclusive insight into their world. Hopefully we learn a little and are inspired to do a lot. As I mentioned, the Line Lofts is located in the heart of Old Hollywood, a refined hideaway with stunning views in every direction, abundant building amenities, guest events, services, and benefits. For more information about this stunning property, check out thelinelofts.com. Welcome back. Thanks, Wendy. I am so incredibly excited to have you here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We could take this direction in, in many, many different directions tonight. We really could. We really could. <laughs> but I'm going to focus this in. Um, I want to talk about your documentary. I want to really get into it. So tell our listeners what Feeling Seen is about and how the idea was born. So as you said, um, in, in that introduction, and thank you so much. Um, Feeling Seen is about the impact of the absence of representation on television or misrepresentation of, uh, of oneself on TV. Um, as a lesbian woman, I feel like I can only tell my story responsibly. Therefore, it's about queer women. Um, but it's my hope that it's a microcosm for a larger conversation about um, anyone who's felt marginalized. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. And was there a specific event that came up for you that was a light bulb moment of, I have to make this now, or was it kind of like a cumulative life event? It's been... <laughs> I mean, now I can say it's lifetime, yeah. um, but the... I first started thinking about wanting to make this documentary five years ago, Okay. but it, I've been actively working on it on and off for the last three years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what was that first thought? Five the, years ago, what happened? The first thought was, um, I really want to make a documentary film. Uh, I had lots of ideas, but I should make one about something I'm passionate about. Got it. And uh, so I was going to make a movie about Xena, Warrior Princess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which you laugh, but there, there's a significant through line, correct? Yeah. 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 Okay, let's talk about that. Let's sure. Talk about that. But, but, but actually, to go back to your question, um, I'm actually a little worried that I'm going to miss the moment. <laughs> so Got it. Yeah. There's a... Uh, now is such a, a, a ripe time for yes. conversations about representation and it inclusivity. Um, and uh, one of the reasons why I'm, I think I'm moving so quickly on the dock now is in response to my experiences casting mm -hmm. and what I've seen behind the scenes and what I've been able to contribute to and where I've felt stifled. 
Um, Can you share a little bit about what you're seeing right now? Well, I, I, we're definitely seeing more um, inclusivity. Yeah. We're seeing breakdown descriptions um, that include um, more than two genders mm -hmm. and uh, every, well, not every, but more races and ethnicities, um, uh, cultural backgrounds and religious affiliations. Um, and for some people, this is a very exciting time for television because there's a lot of forward thinking, progressive showrunners and yeah. execs out there, um, creatives out there. And then um, on the other hand, we still have more status quo, people perpetuating stereotypes because you have people who are now writing experiences that are not theirs. Um, and when you don't, mm. and, and not filling the room with people of those backgrounds. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you need to be the um, identity of the character that you're writing about, but you certainly need to surround yourself Fill with- Fill the room yeah. with it. Um, so now there's more opportunity for people to tell their own stories. And with social media, there's more opportunity for people to make their own content. There's really no excuse anymore. Um, I do yeah. feel there's um, less tolerance for the lack of representation in writers' rooms. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's, people are being outed more. Com production companies and, um, and the writer room in general is, is kind of being looked at way more carefully. It's getting better. I mean, but there's still a lot of tokenism and mm -hmm. if, if, and it starts at the top, yeah. right? And if, and if someone is brought into the writer's room or someone is cast um, and the, what we need, I actually heard a, a documentarian, I forget his name right now, but he said what we really need is representation of perspective, uh, excuse me, not representation, diversity of perspective, mm -hmm. not just diversity um, on screen. So if you're the one person of, of that background and you're in a room with um, a forward thinking showrunner or exec, then great, your voice will be heard. But there's still a lot of, um, places where I think people don't feel safe to speak up. Yeah. But it's changing. I think it is changing slowly and we're in such an, an unbelievably polarized time yeah. that it's, it's like explosive how things are happening right now. Um, I recently started reading the works of Audre Lorde. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. But something that really rang true for me was that, you know, instead of ignoring each other's differences, um, whether it's based on race, sexual identity, ageism, whatever the case may be, I think that there are so many of us that have been trained to brush differences under the carpet in hopes of not offending. That is such a good point. Because I don't think we're all one, we're yeah. all the same. Yep. We're absolutely not. Not by a long shot. Um, we have similarities as human beings. We have the same blood, the same hearts and whatnot. But our circumstances, um, our environments, our opportunities are wildly different. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not about, as you said, overlooking those differences and then saying, oh, therefore, because I don't see race, for instance, which is very dangerous, mm -hmm. um, I'm, a, I'm a good person. I think we actually need to acknowledge these differences um, and look at them as, as benefits, um, that our perspectives do not automatically become everyone else's perspectives and vice versa. Yeah, I think they are benefits, and mm -hmm. I think that it adds to the richness of the human experience when they're honored 
instead of being brushed under or being dehumanized. Yes, and, oh, and actually, so the doc. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to bring it right back around. There you Here are. Here we go. Atta girl. <laughs> so five years ago, when it was a love letter to Xena Warrior Princess. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Um, because it was the only time I felt like I saw myself reflected back on television, yep. even though they weren't overt lesbians. Yeah. It was a safe, subtextual way for me to read myself into something. Can you tell me just a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. briefly, before you go on to your next point? I am not a Xena person, so Why? Why Zena? Yeah. What? Mm. What? what? <laughs> yeah, break Maybe it down. Be a dirty old lady. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the show. Uh, well, I mean, I, I love a good female action hero. Yep. And 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 Zena was that archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had a female sidekick. Mm-hmm. So they went traipsing around the world, <laughs> traversing. Time and space. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Centuries sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and here you had two women, quote unquote, best friends, um, who s- in the beginning had a boyfriend of the week sometimes, but okay. it wasn't the most important relationship in their lives. The most important relationship in their lives was the other person. And so queer women recognized something about yeah. themselves in that. You know, two women rolling out a bedroll and talking in front of a campfire, you know, it's pillow talk. Yep. They're, they're talking about their days to each other. Yep. And one of the writers um, and, and producers, Liz Friedman, is a, an out lesbian, and, and um, she and the other writers started to sort of lob little winks and nudges yes. to their um, covert audience. Uh, so I like to say that lesbian and bisexual women could literally watch that show from the closet, but in community. Mm-hmm. Be, because X-Files and Xena was one of the, they were the first shows, I believe, to have um, the internet as a major platform for communication. Mm. So people would find their community in chat rooms. Um, they could be completely isolated in the closet, estranged from their families. I mean, I didn't like telling people that I liked Xena because I thought that people would think I was, I was a lesbian. Oh. So it was, it was very shameful for me, actually, uh-huh. to say that I liked the show. Um, but they, yeah, so they found their family, they found their communities, and the writers did it deliberately. Mm-hmm. And they wrote the two women as a you know, loving couple. They raised a kid together when Ellen was coming out. Wow. And, mm-hmm. But because of the time, it had to be subtextual. So I would watch with my parents, and I was watching one show, and they were watching another show. Mm-hmm. And it was safe to do that. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't want to be a lesbian because the lesbians in the 90s were not people that I wanted to emulate because they were constantly being attacked. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to be a lesbian, but I wanted whatever Zina and Gabrielle had. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so, that totally makes sense. So the genesis of this film was actually that. Because I was telling a, a, a friend of mine, this um, straight um, guy and he I didn't think that he would have an interest in it because I didn't think anybody cared about lesbians um, and he's like that's a story you should tell so through the exploratory interviews and the research I actually saw that this is so much bigger than just my experience my story I found community because I wasn't part of those online chat groups um, and so for me, it was Xena, but for other people, it's the Fosters. It's one day at a time. Right. It's the L I word. S- your sizzle mm-hmm. reel. Yeah. They talk a little bit. I love that you did Thank such you. a good job. You really Thank did. You. I mean, I saw, I saw different iterations of it, and the final just came out so beautifully. Thank Congratulations. Um, 
And I saw familiar faces that I loved. So um, what was the process like for you going through the interview process and, and kind of seeing all of the similarities that you women have? Because even in the, in the sizzle reel, you see, I'm not, I can't remember who it was, forgive me, but she was talking about she thought she was going to go to prison because she was a lesbian. And somebody said, you know, we just interviewed someone who said the same thing. And right. you could see this whole, she did? Right, or she could only meet women in prison. Yeah. Like, that was the only right. space. Yeah. Um, it was cathartic. It's been, it's been emotional. Yeah, um, I Because there's a lot of deep-seated things that I've covered up and, yep. you know, you know, when you, um, I'm not someone who can really hide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and so you kind of make a decision, or you don't, of this is who I am and people can take it or not. Yeah. And then things like Prop 8 happen, and, you, and yeah. then like your next door neighbor has a yes on Prop 8 sign, and you realize, oh, I had a reason to be afraid, or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, violence um, affects your life, or people you know, or people you don't know out in the world. And um, it, so you forget sometimes, and, and certainly, again, I can only speak from my experience, um, when you put out there that you're fine, you, you believe it, and you are fine. Mm-hmm. But there's a very wounded, um, fragile child, and some, for some people, adult, that's buried. And anything can just like snap you right back to that place of vulnerability. Yeah, I think that's yeah. what happens when you become a survivalist. Yeah. You snap because your adrenals have gone into overdrive and you've got some sort of PTSD and you don't know what's going to trigger it. And you don't know it. Actually, one of the, the most telling things is um, several people that I've interviewed, I would ask them questions. And these are women like in their 40s and 50s, um, sometimes 60s. And I'd say, if you'd had the Fosters on television when you were a teenager, how do you think that would have affected your life? And there are people who, I'm just watching them think about it, it never even crossed their minds that that could have been a possibility for them. Mm-hmm. So they may even watch it with their kids and think how lucky their kids, they, their kids are, yep. but it was not within the realm of possibility for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how quickly we're moving. We're moving so fast. Which is great to think about in this moment, and I can't wait to see, can you imagine 50 years from now, looking back, what they're going to think about where we are right now? And I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. I hope. So where are you currently in the process with Feeling Seen? Uh, we are finishing up our new cut of our sample reel. Great. Um, we did a fundraise uh, Kickstarter last year, raised $54,000. Yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> and now this 12-minute uh, sample reel is the fruits of that labor, and so we're going to use that to um, get the finishing funds and, and attract some more people that I'd like to interview. Like I, don't, I mean, there are people that I feel like I cannot make this film responsibly without. Yeah. Um, so, like Lena Waithe. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So, what are some unexpected lessons that you've learned uh, during this process so far? I would imagine there have been challenges for you and questions that have come up. Can you share some stuff that's come up? I mean, everything is unexpected because I've never done this before. Is this your first? Yeah, it's oh, my wow. first film. Wow. I'm a, I'm a thespian. <laughs> <laughs> a thespian lesbian? Waka waka. Very proudly. Waka. Yeah. Okay, great. So my directing experiences have been with the stage. Mm-hmm. And then my, um, and then in, to some degree, coaching and directing in the casting room. Yep. Uh, so no, I mean, I've, whereas I've worked in film, though mainly TV, I've never, never thought that I would know where to point a camera 
Mm -hmm. or what kind of lights to use. So even just learning to communicate with the DP. Have you had a support system that have kind of walked you through the process? Yeah, and it's changed over the years. Um, But I have, um, like for the, we did, the sizzle reel that, that we used for the Kickstarter campaign, yeah. I co-directed with a friend whose short films I've cast. Great. And he's a director, and so I learned a lot working with him. Um, and then from that, I got a producer. Yep. So, and now with that producer, we're talking to composers and, and um, trying to find some angels. And yep. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally learning on the go. Love that. <laughs> yeah, you are. So in your Barbie dream world, what would the outcome of feeling seen be? What's the ultimate goal that for this? I could have a Barbie dream, uh, dream world and it would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is okay. Um, my hope is that underrepresented, marginalized people, which is most of us, mm-hmm. no longer self-segregate because we have so many um, intersectional identities. I am a lesbian Jewish woman married to a Trinidadian lesbian. You know, like, <laughs> we, in so many situations, um, neither of us are ever um, in the majority, mm-hmm. let alone the, not the only one. Um, I'm usually majority more than she is, but so my, my hope, and actually on my website, when we get ready to, um, when the film is finished, I'm really hoping that people go to the website and tell their stories about what it means to them to feel seen, regardless of what their sexual orientation is and regardless of what their gender is. But if they're, you know, Arab or, or Hindu or, I don't know, uh, Maori, yeah. and, and they haven't seen, uh, you know, how many Sri Lankans have we seen on television? <laughs> so um, it's my hope that we all realize that even though we are not one, even though we are very different, our shared experiences make us stronger. And learning from each other's difference, I think, is what makes us stronger. So if we're not afraid of each other and we just recognize that the struggle is real yeah, <laughs> and the struggle is different for different people, but um, struggling people have something to learn from each other, I think. I think that everybody struggles, yeah. even the mythical norm. Oh, absolutely, because that, I mean, how many, how many heterosexual white families on TV actually look like yours, right? Not, no. None. None, yeah. I mean, that's why Roseanne was such a big deal. Yeah. You, know, you had the, the working class. You had people who weren't, quote, unquote, conventionally beautiful. Right. So, yeah. I love that. And I, I love the idea of um, kind of shining a light and taking the shame out of it and talking about it and... Um, making that perspective, even though it isn't mainstream, by having all of these people, you have quite a few women who are recognizable and talking about their experiences. I think that that's going to make it a whole lot more, I'm gonna use the word palatable and that's not the right word, but I feel like it's- Accessible. Accessible, thank you. No, I I get you. Yeah, I think that that's that's gonna be a huge thing for this film. I I so believe in it. Thank you. Let's open it up to a few questions. How can we support your film? I know you said you had a Kickstarter, but it sounds like that's concluded. So what ways can we support you and help you be seen? Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a website, www.feelingscenefilm.com and there is a donate button um, that goes to a, um, a GoFundMe page 
um, because we're, we're now out of money. I mean, there, there are a few more interviews we want to get, um, and we're, we're stalled until you know, we can raise more money. Um, like, a lot of people are doing things now with the idea that we'll be paying them later. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, I mean, monetarily, that's how you can, but also I think just getting the word out um, and supporting supporting the, the the projects that are that are important to you. I mean, now we're at this really really cool moment where I don't think that we can we have to just be okay with taking what we can get, which I think for. Uh, m most of my life, you know, if there was like one lesbian thing or one black thing or one, you know, Latinx thing, that was like all you, can, the, the, the only thing you have to look to. Now there's so many um, projects out there. So support anything that's different from your experience. Um, and I try to do the same. <laughs> and then sub question. As for Michaela earlier. <laughs> How can we keep an eye on you specifically and what you're doing and keep our finger on the pulse of you yourself, you yourself, Beth. I'm on all the social medias. <laughs> tell us, tell uh, us your handles. So, uh, at Beth-Ryne, R-Y-N-E, I think that's my Instagram. <laughs> uh, also Twitter, and then um, I've got, so Feeling Scene Film also has its own Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then um, uh, my, my acting studio, um, Beth Ryan Studio of Acting is launching tonight. So, yes, that is. congratulations. <laughs> That's serendipitous. Amazing, amazing. Um, for someone who is making their own content currently and navigating that scary world and wanting to be an ally and wanting to actually correctly represent all the people of the world of all different walks of life, what would you recommend as far as networking and making sure all of those stories are being told? I think just start with your um, circle of friends and ask questions. Um, so-and-so knows so-and-so who knows so-and-so who knows so-and-so. I mean, work begets work. And I think um, as long as we can set ego aside and um, release fear of, of sounding like maybe we don't know what we're talking about um, or, or stepping on toes, then we can just ask questions and the right people will, will come your way. I think that's such a huge point that you just made uh, is asking questions and releasing the fear that maybe we're not asking the right questions or we're not asking them in the right way or we seem foolish. I mean, by point of example, even for my own documentary, I, in, the begin, in the early stages, I was interviewing a lot of non-binary genderqueer people because the film was about Xena then. And then when I realized that it was about um, women who love women, I was misrepresenting them. Mm -hmm. People would just assume that they're lesbians. And they're not. Mm -hmm. um, so that's me educating myself as well yep. by asking questions. Does this, uh, you know, would this be offensive? Mm -hmm. Is it, yes, it, it would be. <laughs> so they say many. Yeah. So rather than just assuming, mm -hmm. um, just having these conversations, I think, is is really important. Absolutely. Thank you. Beth, Wendy. <laughs> Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I love this part. Uh, you as, don't have to. As an actor. Oh. Wendy. <laughs> Wendy Rosoff. Yes. 
um, and friend. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, hold. Before you ask the question, yes. I should say, because I didn't preface this entire conversation by saying that Beth and I are friends outside of this. We, um, we met originally at a college that we were both teaching at, and Beth was stage managing a production that I was doing the staging for. And we kind of kept that friendship going peripherally for many, many, many years. And I, I've always been so deeply interested in what you're up to, and I'm so glad that we've kind of kept in touch and led to this moment, because I, I believe in your artistry and what you're up to, so. Well, th thank you, Wendy, yep. and, and you know, the feeling is mutual, so sometimes you. you, I mean, I, I was getting back in the business. I yep. took like a 10-year hiatus, like, okay, I know how to stage manage, it's not yes. what I want to do, but, you know, and you kind of look out of the corner of your eye and you make a, yes. a connection with someone like, oh, she's a, she's a kindred spirit, yeah. she's my people. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so. Yes. Oh, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> As, as an actor who has uh, worked all over the country, um, what are you looking for in an acting studio, in a teacher, in a community? Oh, that's a great question, because I know that you're starting your own acting studio. Um, I look for someone who is interested in getting down into the dirt with me. And there's no alternate agenda with it other than the work, the craft, and how to be your most authentic, truthful self and uncover the stories that need to be told. And honor the writers honor what's on the page, but also bring the authenticity of who I am as an artist through the pipeline and allow me to say those words. I think that that's what makes the magic of the artist. And I've been through so many different teachers and I've been so fortunate to have unbelievable, unbelievable mentors and people in my life. And I've also experienced some people who should never teach a day in their life. Right. And so, and I think we all have at one point or another, right? And, you know, I'm a journeyman actor at this point, and so I've gotten to a point where I can see it in a millisecond. And, you know, one of the wonderful and painful things about being what I am and choosing to do what I do is that the journey never ends. It's an amazing thing because I am a forever curious individual but it's also painful because there's also this sense of the perfectionist of me will never be answered to. Never. Never, ever, ever. And there's always more growth and that can be painful and that can be wondrous all in the same. And I, I want somebody who'll get in there with me and we're in it together. It's, it's a team, it's a partnership. I love that, that's, that's refreshing because I think there's a lot of actors in Los Angeles who feel that way. And then there's, uh, there's a lot who, because balancing the business and your artistry is, is really difficult. It is for us too, um, in casting or whatever, artistic, but. Well, we're talking right now, I just want to be clear. We're, when I say that to you, I'm talking specifically about my acting teacher. Yes. When I see casting people, when I do workshops, when I meet with people, when I'm at an audition, when I'm going to book something, whether it's 
book a room for future work or whether it's book a room because I'm right for this gig, my wants are very different. I'm really targeted on what my wants are. And they are? I want the space to do the work. I want to be able to be given the opportunity to be seen in my fullest light. And I just want to be honored for that. Um, and I, it's, it's like an airspace, right? So when you walk into the room, I actually at this point am able to navigate really well any energy that comes to me in a room. I've, I've learned over the years to navigate that. But in my Barbie dream world, um, it's, it's that energy where it's like, we're in this together, we're making art. I walk into a room, it's my party. It's my opportunity to perform for this moment. And so welcome to my party. And you're going to see a take on this character, whether it's right or not, you're going to see this take. And hopefully it will interest you enough to get an adjustment and to have a conversation. And let me adjust. Let me take direction because that's my favorite thing in the world to do. When I get that opportunity, all of a sudden I'm in the sandbox. And that's, that's a good time. And then I can walk out of the room and go, okay, that just happened. Next. Awesome. Yes. So that's, that's what I'm looking for with the casting situation. But with the acting teacher, let's get down and dirty. Love it. Yeah. Beth, thank you so much. We got all your social media. Um, everybody can get in touch with you. We had great yeah. questions. Thank you so much for that. And I Thanks, Wendy. So grateful. So grateful. Thank you. You've just listened to Sky Talks, elevated conversations at the Line Lofts. Special thanks to our guest, Beth Rhine. I'm your host, Wendy Rosoff, reminding you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you can catch our next episode. Bye for now.